welcome back to another Monday mini so I am so excited to be back with you today I hope you guys are enjoying this new release schedule as much as I am I feel like it is fitting so much better and I am able to give you guys better content so as always don't forget to follow us on Instagram like our Facebook page and join our Facebook group a true side of crime pod don't forget to check out our Patreon which has a monthly minimum of $3. Also, if you only like to donate once, please check out our PayPal or on our anchor page, there is a support the podcast button. You can support us there. Please go ahead and do that so I can continue making content and I can give you guys better quality content because that is my ultimate goal to be able to give you guys better quality content content. Okay, so today we're talking about English child killer Mary Bell. When I found this case, I was so surprised that I had never heard of it before because this is a very unusual thing for a 10-year-old little girl to be murdering even younger kids. She murdered a 4-year-old and a 3-year-old. Mary Bell was the oldest child of Betty McCricket. Born on May 26th of 1957 to the 17-year-old prostitute. People said Betty was mentally unstable. When Mary was born and the doctors tried to hand her to Betty, she told the doctors, get that thing away from me. That's not a good sign already. And Mary would deal with abuse her entire young life. It was known by Mary's family that Betty abused Mary. Mary fell out of a window and she suffered some brain injury due to that. She also accidentally, accidentally overdosed on sleeping meds. But Betty's sister saw Betty give the medication to Mary, so it was not an accident. She intentionally gave this medicine to this baby. Betty would also go as far as to selling Mary to a woman on the street, and they called it an adoption. Betty's sister was near enough to where she could stop the lady from taking Mary, And even though she tried to give Mary to a stranger, she would never give Mary to her family, which to me makes me believe that maybe the fact that her sister was there when she tried to give Mary away was maybe to get some attention. The worst form of abuse would be Betty prostituting her daughter at four years old. Little Mary was being sold to men. This has not been confirmed by her family, but I doubt if Betty was doing this, she would allow her family to know about this because this is a whole different level. Some people say that Mary was a victim of Munchausen by proxy because Betty enjoyed the attention that she received when Mary was injured or sick. Other people think she just had hate in her heart and she did not care about her daughter and she just hurt her. I believe it might have been a little bit of both. Now, Mary did get some breaks from the abuse from her mother when her mother would travel for work Her mom would go as far as Scotland sometime and be gone for weeks at a time. Mary and her siblings would be left with either family or Billy Bell. Billy Bell was Betty's husband and assumed to be the father of her siblings, but no one really knows if he's Mary's father, even though Mary has his last name. Billy wasn't really a great guy either. He was a career criminal. So Mary didn't really have any good parental figures. Now, I couldn't find anywhere if he took part in the abuse, but it doesn't seem like he stopped it because Mary continued to be abused even after her mom married Billy when Mary was two. Now, as sad as this all is, Mary would suffer a really tough loss. 
she would see something that a child should never, ever see. When she was only five years old, Mary witnessed her friend be hit by a bus and die. That's traumatizing to a kid. And it makes me wonder if maybe this is where Mary got her fascination with death. After all of this, by the time Mary was 10, she was an awkward kid. She was a loner. She literally had one friend. Mary's friend was named Nora Bell. Now, Nora and Mary were not related, and Norma was about two years older than Mary, but Norma was said to have developmental delays, whereas Mary was seen as very cunning and manipulative. So Norma would do whatever Mary wanted her to do because Mary could convince her to do something, like do anything. Now in Scottswood, England, where they lived about two weeks before Mary and Norma would be involved in these murders, there was a little boy who fell from a ledge. He survived, but he was pretty badly injured. His family took him to the hospital and they thought it was an accident. It was not an accident. Come to find out, Mary would admit that she pushed his little boy off the ledge. This little boy potentially could have been her first murder. Luckily, he survived. Now, the following day, after this little boy falls off the ledge, mothers come forward to say that Mary strangled their daughters. One mom would later say that Mary not only strangled her daughter, but was shoving sand down a little girl's throat. Now, the sand part was not told to the police because the little girl was scared. But how in the world do the police just sweep this under the rug and let Mary go on with her life? She is strangling people. That is not okay. Now, on May 25th, the day before Mary's 11th birthday, she would go into an abandoned building with a four-year-old named Martin Brown. Martin was said to be a funny, cute, smart little kid, and he was mischievous and had that little mischievous smile that everybody knows when they see that little cute kid and you can tell they're a little ornery. But Martin lived in the same area as Mary. Mary would be the only child to walk out of that abandoned house because while playing in the abandoned house, Mary would strangle Martin to death. There are far less details known about Martin's death than the death of the three-year-old she would murder later. We do know she strangled him and his friends were looking for him because they couldn't find him and they happened upon his lifeless body. And that has to be traumatizing for these kids to find their friend's body. A bottle of medication was found near him and it was completely empty. So it was assumed that he had taken the pills and died. Also, there were no injuries to his body. So they just assumed he took the pills, he passed away and it was an accident. But his death was not definitively ruled an accident officially. So no officials actually wrote accident on his death certificate. That was not something that happened. And Mary was acting rather weird at the time. Her and her friend actually would go to Martin's house and they would tell their friend's mom, she thought that they were his friend, that they wanted to see Martin. And she would kindly explain to them, you know, Martin isn't living anymore. Martin died. Mary would very calmly tell her, oh, I know, I just wanted to see him in his casket. Like, what kind of little girl says this? This should have been another red flag. Needless to say, Martin's mom slams the door in the little girl's face, but Mary was not satisfied with just strangling Martin. The following day, on her birthday, nonetheless, she is found by her friend's dad, Norma's dad, She's found strangling Norma in her own house. Now, Norma's dad removes her from Norma 
explains to them that that's not a game they should be playing, and he sends Mary home. But he didn't report it. Nothing is being reported to the police until after the fact. I don't understand this. Mary and Norma would end up causing a lot of trouble in between these murders. They broke into a nursery school. They vandalized it. They stole and some letters were left behind. There are pictures of these letters as well as pictures of the two victims on our Instagram. So one of the letters would say, we murdered Martin Brown. Fuck off, you bastard. Another one would say, I murdered so that I may come back. And yet another one would go on to say that there would be other murders that would happen. The police found these and they thought it was a joke because everybody in this town seems to think that every crazy thing that these little kids are doing is just a joke. This is not a joke. And I believe if this was recent times, this would not be taken as a joke. The police would take it seriously. But the nursery school did not think that this was a joke. They had had multiple break-ins previous to this. So they put in security cameras. And these security cameras would catch Mary and Norma at the school. When the police arrived, the police just saw them kind of loitering around and told them to go home and quit hanging around the nursery school. All this time, Mary is literally bragging and telling people, that she murdered Martin, but nobody believes her because she's known as a liar and a show-off. This girl is literally telling everybody that she murdered this boy and nobody is listening at all. Now, two months later on July 31st, Mary and Norma would tell a little boy that they were going to take him to the shop for candy. Three-year-olds hear candy and they're going to go. They would not end up taking him for candy though. They would take him to murder him. Mary tricked the little boy into letting her strangle him by saying that she could massage the soreness out of his throat. So he lifts his neck up and lets her put her hands around his neck. And she does massage initially, but her grip would get tighter and tighter until she squeezed the life out of this poor little boy. This little boy's name was Brian Howe, but she wasn't done. She would come back with a razor and carve an in into his stomach and mutilate his legs and other areas. Now, this N would later be changed to an M by what police say was another hand. So did Mary write in and then Norma write an M? Or did Norma write an N and Mary wrote an M? I don't know. I don't know how anybody could do these things, let alone a 10-year-old little girl. Mary and Norma would even go on to help Brian's big sister, Pat, look for him. Mary even pointed to where his body was and Norma would say, oh, he never went to that area. Why would he be there? Which seemed like it was satisfying enough to Pat because she didn't go over there. And once Brian's body was found, this town was horrified because this is the second toddler that was murdered in two months. Two boys in two months. The medical examiner would come to believe that the culprit was a child due to the lack of force used in the murder. So the police began to question children. Mary and Norma's actions started to look really weird to police. Norma was extremely happy to be questioned about the murder and Mary was extremely evasive. The police knew Mary had been seen with Brian that day, so they would kind of watch her. The two girls were seen watching and giggling the day Brian was buried, even like rubbing their hands together in a very weird, mischievous way when they saw his casket. I'm rubbing my hands together like y'all can see it. I know y'all can't. That was the noise that y'all probably just heard. Anyway, Mary and Norma would be brought back in. 
Mary would make up a story about an eight-year-old boy attacking Brian and having a broken pair of scissors with him. The police knew then that they had her because nobody had knew about the scissors being used to carve anything onto Brian. So how did she know? The police would go retrieve writings and drawings from Mary and Norma's school, though they couldn't match it to the letters that they found. They did find a picture that Mary drew of little Martin with a man walking up to him and a bottle of pills labeled tablet next to him. Another thing police never released. They never released that there was a bottle of pills next to him. They just said it was an accident. So how did Mary know about the pills? And also, how was a kid drawing a dead body of a little boy, like drawing the scene of this death, how in the world is that not alarming to the teacher she turned it into? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Mary and Norma would eventually both crack under the pressure of questioning. Norma would fully cooperate, but Mary, being her manipulative self, would end up blaming Norma and only admitting to being there and trying to get Norma to let Brian go home. The police didn't buy it, though. They arrested both girls and trial dates were set. Now, during the trial, the prosecutor told the jury that Mary killed for pleasure and that she manipulated Norma because of Norma's disability. Mary was presented as a cold-blooded and calculated killer. She was evaluated, and it was found that she had prefrontal cortex damage. This is the area of your brain that controls your voluntary movement and your decision-making. They determined that this was primarily due to Mary's abuse when she was younger and probably also to the fall she took out of the window. They also said that Mary may not have realized what death really was. I know she saw her friend die and she knew her friend never came back. So I feel like she realized that part of it. She knew that these people were never coming back. Mary would be found guilty of manslaughter instead of murder because of her brain damage. Norma would be completely acquitted because they said Mary manipulated her. Mary was sentenced to imprisonment for her majesty's pleasure, which means until the system decides they want to release her as soon or as late into the sentence they want to release her. So she could serve two years or she could serve her entire life which is kind of like our till death in America because now her majesty's pleasure also has a minimum date. So now they have to serve a minimum amount of time before they are released. She would also be let out on license, which is like parole in 1980 at the age of 23. But before she was actually let out, five years before actually, when she was 18, she was transferred from like the children's group home facility she was in to a prison that had really lacked security. When she was 19, she would escape from there with the help of two men. She would be found in a very short time and brought back to the facility. I don't know how she was completely released though four years later that doesn't make sense to me but it is what it is when mary was released she was given an assumed name to live her life out so that the media and other people would know who she was she would have to flee multiple times though because the media will always find out who she was in 1984 mary would have a daughter and her daughter would be given anonymity too until her daughter was 18. That was the initial plan. But at some point when Mary's daughter was 14, the media found out who she was and they came to her home. This was the first her daughter had heard about 
who her mom really was and what her mom had really done. She had no idea about it. So Mary, her daughter, and Mary's common-law husband would have to flee their home with sheets over their head. I can imagine how traumatizing that was for her daughter to have to flee and then find out that your mom was a murderer when she was a child. I believe that the media finding out who Mary was and where she was has something to do with the fact that some years before she had been paid 50,000 pounds by an author to tell parts of her story to this author for the author's book. But after this situation, when Mary's daughter was 14, Mary went back to court to get her daughter lifelong anonymity because she didn't want it to come out. And then her daughter would be harassed because from 14 to 18, you look pretty much the same. You grow a little bit, but your features are the same. It's not like you look drastically different. In 2009, Mary's daughter would have a child and the anonymity would extend to the next generation also. From what I can tell, Mary and her family are living regular lives under the protection of anonymity. I don't know how I feel about Mary getting the anonymity. I understand and then parts of me feels for the family because their family's story is completely out there. And one of the moms of the victim said that the protection doesn't extend to the victims. It just is all about Mary, and I couldn't imagine how hard that is. This is the story of child killer Mary Bell, but this is also the story of Martin Brown and Brian Howe. Thank you again for being with me on this Monday mini-sode. I appreciate you so much. We have been growing so much. Continue to share with your family, friends, coworkers, strangers, whoever. Don't forget to write a review on whatever podcast host you hear us on. And until next time, guys, continue to be the amazing, beautiful people you always are.